<clears throat> so reflecting on the, listening to the sounds of the morning, birds are waking up, it's springtime. The silence. <clears throat> Then the perception this is the last day of this uh, community retreat, Sangha retreat. So the pointing to the way it is, is the awareness, the posture sitting, the body breathing, the awareness, mindfulness, satisampachanya, open attentiveness to the way it is, the being receptive to, to just the experience of sound, of listening, of because <clears throat> now the days are getting longer and the nights shorter. The spring equinox on the 21st of March, this is the 27th. And then tomorrow, uh, British summertime begins. So, right now, that's here and now, the perception of the future tomorrow, British summertime. So that's a statement of conventional fact. I mean, you know, it's not ultimate reality as British summertime, but it is a convention that we all agree to in this uh, country <coughs> so that we have, a, we, we lose an hour tomorrow. So at this time, this is say five o'clock, this will be six o'clock. And now this is just, uh, these are, you know, this putting into context the society, the conventions, the sense of time, the agreed uh, perceptions of time about British summertime. You notice it's British, it's not European summertime. It's not English summertime. <laughs> but it's not making a statement that, uh, that summertimes in other places are better or inferior. It's, it's just, it's a fact. This is, these are the facts of the, of the conditioned realm about time and agreements or attitudes or laws of a certain society that you're living in.
So now the, the equinox, spring equinox, autumn equinox, equinox means that the days and nights are equal, they have equal length. So, and so then uh, from now on, after the spring equinox, the days become longer and the nights shorter. until the solstice. So this is, this is just the way this planet operates, when it's revolutions around the sun, the seasons, the, this northern hemisphere, uh, Brit the British Isles in the, you know, it's quite north in terms of latitude. <clears throat> and so as you move more toward the equatorial countries, then, then the, you don't have these the kind of exaggerated differences between day and night that, that is quite obvious here, living here in, in England. But time then is, uh, it's a, you know, we create time. Time doesn't, you know, we can say it's five o'clock in the morning. The planet, the solar system doesn't call it five o'clock in the morning <clears throat> or British summertime. <clears throat> so these are, you know, these are ways of developing concepts, perceptions, agreements on regarding the uh, sequence from birth to death, from beginning to ending, <clears throat> that are seen in terms of conventional reality, agreed ways of, uh, you know, living, having to live within the physical body in a changing, uh, experience of change of a Nietzsche in regards to the conditions we're living in, which is including our own body, the, the uh, community, the society, the planet, the solar system, all are conditioned phenomena. Everything that we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, think, feel, so in in this reflective style of the Buddha, you know this is then Intuitive awareness means observing, being. Now this Buddha Dhamma Sangha, Buddha Dhamma Sangha, it's a convention too, it's a skillful means, an expedient means towards reminding, not for personal identity. So when we, when we take, like all of us, take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, if you're lay people, nuns, monks, 
on the Dhamma level, it's uh, equal. So it's uh, for Sangha, Supatipano, Ujjupatipano, Yaya Patipano, Samiji Patipano, one who practices rightly, in the right way. Practicing from, not from personal attainment nor deluded identities with conditioned phenomena, but through awareness. Bhutto tamo sankho. So when we're mindful, when we're aware, then the the conventions we have are what they are. <clears throat> you know, so it's, but the unity, the oneness, is in the awareness, in the refuge, in the awakened consciousness. That's where unity is, oneness, perfection, wholeness. And then we, we can only, you know, we can recognize this through awareness, through reflection, not through uh, personal endeavors. <clears throat> so then Lung Po Cha used to talk quite a lot about conventional reality and ultimate reality. Bharamata Satya, the Pali word Satya is, is reality or truth. Bharamata is ultimate and then uh, Samuti Satcha is conventional reality. Now these are reflective statements so that, you know, so that we're not trying to to grasp something, you know, the concepts themselves, they're merely ways of pointing, of reminding. For example, <clears throat> on the level of Sakyaditi, you know, I can say I'm senior monk as, as a fact on the conventional level, conventional reality. I'm the senior monk here. I'm the abbot of this monastery. Now this can be stated as fact on the conventional, conventional reality or it can coming from <clears throat> from uh, Sakyaditi, then it's uh, I'm the big boss here. I'm the head monk, and it's a statement uh, you know based on Sakyaditi. Now the words can be the, exactly the same, isn't it? Using the same words, but one is stating a fact of convention, the other is stating a personal identity with the position. Now it's important to see, to know the difference in yourself. You know, to, to be able to discern the difference between the fact of conventions and the personal uh, 
way that one can attach or blindly identify with the conventional reality in which we suffer, because then we, we suffer from ignorance and attachment, not from the, the conventions themselves. Conventions are neutral. Now, I encourage you to really explore this, to like the relationship of junior-senior, senior to junior, because in the community here it gets so personal and identified in a personal way with gender, with seniority. <clears throat> and. Uh, if we can't discern the difference between the conventional rea reality and sakyaditi, then we, you know, we're always going to be suffering from life because it's, you know, to impose oneself always in terms of uh, wanting something or not wanting, to to try to make the conventional reality into what you want it to be. You know, what I want for conventional reality and then the convention reality of this tradition. And this is discernment, you know, so you can get perspective on Sakya Ditti. You know, and that's why I, I keep a kind of uh, bringing it up, this Sakya Ditti thing, because this is the big obstruction. This is why in Amravati, you, all of you suffer, not through the convention, through the Sakya Ditti you generate around it. Being junior, or senior, on a, if taken personally, or just on a conventional level, the structure of, of seniority, being senior, being junior, can be just, you know, conventional reality. It's the way it is. And then that particular relationship is, you know, prescribed in the Vinaya, according to the uh, you know, duties of senior to junior, junior to senior. It's about duties, relationship through action and speech, and, uh, and not through personal identities anymore. But it will bring up personal identities. Like from my own background, uh, American uh, conditioning, you know, the idea of being a servant of means like you're lowering yourself. Uh, you, you know, you're, the idea for Americans is that equality. We're all kings, all queens, all the boss. Everything is equal. There's no class. Uh, you know, total equality, egalitarian idealism. 
And then the idea of being a servant is, uh, can be seen as lowering oneself, menial, you know, kind of inferior position. Being a boss, being the head is, is where we all should be. None of us are always, we're all servants, that's one way of looking. <laughs> or we're all bosses. <clears throat> Now, the, the, to bring into consciousness what conventions are, you know, in the conditioned realm is about structure, about high and low, good and bad, right and wrong. This is about what's bigger or smaller, darker or lighter. This is the discriminative ability through the senses. So we discriminate. This is bigger than that, and or this is better or worse. Now on the Dhamma level, then it's, you know, from the intuitive awareness, all conditions, Sapesankaranicha, all conditions are impermanent. Anatta, non-self. So that's why we take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, not in, in our personal position. You know, if I take refuge in myself as being senior monk, then I'm no longer supatipano, ujupatipano. I'm no longer practicing, I'm no longer Sangha, I'm a worldly person uh, claiming a position in the world, in the conditioned realm, in the sense realm, uh, you know, and identifying my self-worth with my seniority or lack of it. Do you see what I mean? How, how insidious it is and how lacking discernment, not knowing the difference, not reflecting, then we, we are, you know, the society has endless problems. In, in the modern democracies. There, there are always endless problems because, you know, it's always negotiating or, or blaming or, you know, trying to assert or rebel against or fight or quarrel or demand and whatnot because uh, as individuals, with just ideals of how things should be, and no reflective ability, no discernment possible, then we're, we're caught in the trap of set up for disappointment, disillusionment, and despair. So now, you know, like in Thailand, for example, they <clears throat> have these uh, protests in the society, the red shirts against the yellow, and the the yellow side is, is kind of for the um, present government and for the uh, you know, militaries usually identified with the yellow and the, the aristocracy, the upper classes. The, uh, and so this is, this is the kind of conservative side and then the red shirts are the one they feel that the present government is is destroyed democracy in Thailand, and they want want it back, and on and on. So it goes into quarrels, protests, 
even they've donated their blood to, to throw at the Prime Minister's house. <laughs> at least they're not killing each other yet, but <clears throat> it's, you know, it's a pretty strong statement. Now, now this is, Thailand has developed a democratic government, you know, but then it, and, and through that, then it, of course it goes through various phases because it's, it's uh, you know, democracy can't be just, just uh, understood in terms of identity with conditions, with ideals. Now the Buddha, you know, like Buddha Dasa in his teaching and the famous uh, Thai monk talking about not democracy but tamocracy. So this is in Thai, it's like Prachatipadai is uh, meaning democracy and uh, then the Buddha Dasa would say, no, the Buddha didn't teach Prachatipadai, he taught tamatipadai. So the Dhamma is the is the leader. It's according to Dhamma rather than to masses of people, ignorant people, <clears throat> of unenlightened, unawakened population of people wanting, demanding, blaming, complaining, quarreling, fighting. Well, that's a, that's a very useful reflection I found, tamatipadai or democracy. Because then, you know, like in terms of Buddha Dhamma Sangha, it's not, you know, giving these things, not cultivating a cult around the words of Buddhism, and uh, meaning that we're discriminating against other religions. It's not the point, is it? It's not, it's not to be a divisive tool to form a religious cult that condemns anything that doesn't quite fit within its conventional uh, reality, but it's, it is a tool, isn't it? It's an expedient means. It's a call to awakening. Now, the modern society here in Europe does not discern the difference. They, they, they have not a clue. British society in general doesn't have a clue of uh, democracy. And so we're living in, you know, with, even though it's a very nice country to live in, you know, and it but it's endless, there's endless problems and resentments and blames and quarrels. Even in a well-run country like this. Then the European Union trying to get that going, where you get all these squabbling European countries <laughs> trying to, to live together without any conventional realities, but ideals, you know, of democracy.
Now it's important to reflect on how you relate, how you attach to your position in the community. You know, so that, you know, we can't help it, but our tendency, our, you know, our ignorance and desire and Sakya Ditti, Sila Bhattu Bharamasa, Kicha, these fetters bind us to uh, conventions. And then our identity is one of, you know, if, if I'm, you know, I want to be, I want a position, I want respect, I want to be treated fairly, I, I should, I should be accepted, not rejected respected rather than despised. I should be. And if I'm, if I'm a head monk at Amravati, then from the Sakyaditi level, then I, I always feel threatened. Because when you're the, the boss, or the big cheese, or the honcho, or the king, or the abbot, or the one at the top, you know darn well people want to pull you down. It's just the way things are. They adore you and they despise you. Because, you know, you're in a powerful position just by being at the top. Coming from Dhamma then, this is just Vinaya. It's the relationship of Dhamma, Vinaya to Dhamma. <clears throat> so it's not trying to be egalitarian and say, I'm just one of you guys really, you know. You know, I may be senior monk, but don't, I don't take it seriously, you just call me Sue. Old pal, old buddy, <clears throat> and I don't, you know, have no gender prejudices or sexist attitudes. I'm American, you know, I'm for fairness and justice and equality, and I want to make everybody happy. And so, I, you know, in my position, I'm senior monk, definitely, and, uh, but I, I, you know, I don't attached to that at all, I'm just one of you guys. And so then that tends to, that's a cultural maybe tendency of an American. Silapatabharamasa. <clears throat> or if you're from a, a, you know, a structure, a, a, a kind of class structure identity that's in integrated into your cultural identity, then you say, I am the boss. Meaning, I'm responsible for this, I take the responsibility, I take the blame, and so you just have to, you know, look at your minds and do what I say. And so I can become very righteous because I'm responsible, I'm taking on the duties, I've got, uh, you know, I've got to look after this, after the, uh, you know, the running of the monastery, see that everything's uh, properly done. And then I, you know, then I can, even with very good intentions of wanting to be responsible, I can become 
impossible to live with. Mikas of Sakya Ditti, Silabhattabharamasa Vichikecha. So, you know, this, this is an investigation, exploration of conventional reality and our identity with it. Now, the, the purpose when, when the Buddha said, I leave you the Dhamma Vinaya, is uh, Dhamma, of course, that's inspiring, you know, just on a conceptual level. We don't have problems around Dhamma, but Vinaya and structure and convention. Because the society we live in is, you know, doesn't understand structure or convention, it has ideals, high-minded ideas of how things should be. And we are conditioned by our societies, you know, whether you, whatever cultural background you're from, you know, it's, it's part of your, you know, experience of life. It's the assumptions, the attitudes, the hopes, expectations, fears, and prejudices that are inculcated in us through cultural conditioning, through social conditioning. So in, uh, like in all of us, lay people, samanas, everybody, we can all take the three refuges equally. Bhutang Sarnangachami, Tamang Sarnangachami, Sankhang Sarnangachami. That's not reserved for just bhikkhus or siladharas or just ordained people, is it? For lay people, for anyone who asks for the three refuges. So that, that's pointing, that's, that's what we call Dhamma, but it's impersonal, isn't it? It's not me and Buddha or me and Dhamma. It's like the, the, the attitude of refuge. I, I take refuge in the Buddha. What does that mean? in terms of one's position here and now as, a, as an individual. It means to me, anyway, this reminds me of mindfulness, taking refuge in awareness, of awakened consciousness within a human form, which is not personal, is not Ajahn Sumato, is not senior monk, not American, not male, not female. And so these three refuges, refuges are, a refuge is a safe place. And then you contemplate, what is safe now? Where is safety in the conventional world? 
You know, even planet Earth has been having terrible earthquakes, and fortunately they haven't been taking place in England, but other you hear about the ones in Haiti and Chile and tsunamis and cyclones and hurricanes and climate change and environmental problems. <laughs> it's in the air, isn't it? The, the, uh, can we take refuge on the planet Earth or in, the, in Amravati as a physical place or in anybody? Can we seek refuge and take it? Can you take refuge in Ajahn Sumato? You know, is that, can I be a refuge for you? <clears throat> or is Bhutang Therinangachami putting the onus on you? Is it wake up and take refuge in, in awareness? This is, the, oh, this is the real refuge. Any other refuge is, is, uh, is, you know, not a real refuge. It's not a safe place. Any convention any condition is not a safe place to attach to, to seek refuge in. So it's not asking you to take refuge in Buddhism either, but in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Not asking you to take refuge in Theravada Buddhism or Thai forest tradition or Dhamma as taught by Ajahn Sumato or anything. It's about taking refuge through awareness. So this is, the, this is the imperative in this tradition. It's an imperative to wake up. <clears throat> and this is, this you can only do yourself. I can't wake you up. I, you know, you have, I can say wake up, but whether you wake up or not is up to you. Uh, Amravati is a monastery based on this tradition of Dhammavinya as we inherited it from Lung Po Cha and Lung Pu Man, the Thai forest tradition. And so this is, you know, then this is the convention that we've established here. And this is, a, you know, this, is, this isn't about changing it so it becomes more English or more Western or more European. It, it, then, it, then there's no hope for us because the desire for change or wanting it to be something it's not nor, or being too, you know, attaching to it as right and anything, any adaptation is wrong is not the issue. It's, it's about using a convention for awakened discernment to see suffering and its causes and the end of suffering in your jitta, in your mind. I never had any intention of making Theravada Buddhism a popular religion or spreading it throughout the world. 
It's not, I'm not a missionary. Uh, you know, it's not my intention when I came to England. <laughs> because the invitation by the EST, English Sangha Trust, was a very, was on the mark. And George Sharp and Frida Wint, Jeffrey Beardsley, Morris Walsh, they were all trustees. George Sharp was the chairman at the time. And they made the invitation to come and live as a Theravadan Buddhist monk in England. And the trust was a legal foundation, according to British law, established 20 years previously <clears throat> to support Samanas, Buddhist, is Buddhist uh, foundation, and it, and it mainly uh, directed at the Theravada school. So it was, its intention was not to invite me to come to England to, to convert the English to Buddhism or to spread Buddha Dhamma or to, you know, to be a teacher or anything, but to just live even as a silent bhikkhu in London, you know, without being anybody. Just the four requisites would be supplied when they would see that I had a shelter and the food in the alms bowl, a robe to wear and medicine. Now that really appealed to me because, you know, in the States, when I went, I went to the States first, there was, they wanted teachers, they wanted gurus, they wanted, you know, meditation teachers. And so nothing really connected with the with this tradition and this form when I was in, this was in 1976 when I was traveling in the United States. <clears throat> so this is why I, I came to England because of the, you know, it seemed like a place where they had already tried the other, you know, had tried to have, bring, ordain English men as bhikkhus and put them in as teachers and writers of books and scholars and teaching meditation and it all collapsed, nothing worked because there was no, you know, it just putting on a robe and going to Thailand, getting an ordination, coming back to England doesn't change much. It's, you know, it takes a while to really develop this discerning ability to discern ultimate reality is this and the conventional realities are like this. No doubt, you know, just taking on a robe and going to a monastery in Bangkok, getting ordained, coming back, you change the outward appearance. But the Sila Patabharamasa, the Sakyaditi, which he teaches, still the, the underlying motivation, the attitude, the habit tendency, the illusion. So one becomes a kind of freaky individual in London with a shaven head and a funny-looking robe and feeling totally kind of, what, what am I doing here? You know, because you, there hasn't been the insight and the understanding and the discernment 
to see through the, the way we create ourselves uh, through our cultural attitudes and personal biases and fears and desires. <clears throat> that takes time to, to really investigate and realize the dukkha of attachment to condition phenomena to conventional reality, to Sakaya Ditti, Silabhattabhara, Masa, Vichikicca. So Amravati, you know, the, the past year, the problems, because one felt that it was moving in a way of, of you know, a sense of in the wrong direction towards an idealistic goal and a, and a sense of, of equal partnerships. Because that's the, that's the zeitgeist of modern, the modern Western world. And the structure of seniority was, you know, seen almost as something wrong, something bad. And so the Vinaya structure was falling apart as we tried to, you know, make everybody kind of feel equal. And is that being fair to anybody? Is that, is that you know, what we're here for? Is that our reality? Is that, is, you know, or and I've been even asked to change the Vinaya so that everybody feels equal to it, you know. So this is, this is a, a request that I can't, you know, I can't accept. You know, something in me really uh, felt uh, a sense of despair. <clears throat> because... Uh, you know, I'd, I thought people were, were really committed to, to the, uh, you know, towards mindfulness and seeing the suffering of Sakya Ditti Sila Bhattabharamasa Vichikicca. So when I uh, stopped giving Bapa Cha to, to women, it wasn't out of determination to, to totally uh, stop doing that, but to get some kind of perspective back into the Sangha, into the community, of what we're actually doing, what we're, when we ask for refuge, when we ask for Bapacha, Upasambhada, what are we doing? You know, is this a position we're taking? Is this uh, identity that we want? Or is it through insight, through understanding, through knowing, being increasingly more confident in how to use conventional realities? Through discernment, not through idealism. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
Now the aim for all of us is liberation from suffering, from delusion, from avicca. That's the common goal of Sangha and Supatipano, Ujupatipano, in terms of Dhamma. So that, that's something to be respected, you know, like all our, you know, the, whatever your status is on the conventional level, make this your, your goal when you go forth. You know, the goal is liberation from delusion, not to become a siladhara or a nun or a bhikkhu or anything like that. It's not, these are expedient means, conventional forms for reflection, not for identity. So in this, you know, the, the emphasis, the five points, is, is making explicit what the agreement is in going forth. So that we, one isn't entering this, this sangha with an illusion or the delusion uh, that I felt was happening before. <clears throat> that I was afraid I was ordaining people and they weren't getting the right message, you know, it was for parity, for equal rights, for, uh, you know, this ideal of making everything fair and just, where the, the, the importance is not in, you know, we can't do that, that's an impossible ideal. And, the, and wanting it to be that way, it, it just creates more suffering. So in terms of Vinaya, the, that our duty in Vinaya is to, is to reflect the position, the conventional reality is like this. And from there, the practice, you can break through the Sakya Ditti Silabhattabharamasa Vichikicca the self-views, the social-cultural conditioning, the opinions, views that we personally have, our thoughts, our aspirations, our ideals, our fears and desires, the whole lot, one can see through it, seeing the suffering of attachment and, and then the insight of letting go of desire. Second Noble Truth, let go Paha is a, in the Pali, isn't it? Let go of desire. <clears throat> so as long as we have desires to become, you know, have things become ac according to what we would like, and we can't see that, there's no way, you know, it's just a, a game we're playing plain monks and nuns and modern Buddhism and all the rest. But this, what I'm asking you to do is get to the root, the causes. It's very clearly defined and, and beautifully presented in the teachings of Four Noble Truths. Couldn't be a more skillful means than that to uproot delusion. <clears throat> but it does mean 
But you can't do it through sakyaditi. You know, the Four Noble Truths cannot be, you cannot have insight through the self-view. So it's, it's uh, awakened to suffering and its causes to realize the deathless, the niroda, the cessation of suffering. Now this isn't about senior, junior, monks, nuns, gender, or anything else. This is about the opportunity as a human individual through using a tool like this for liberation, not for personal attainment. And so it's very important to, to know the difference between sakyaditi and conventional, the conventions that we're using. The Vinay isn't about creating sakyaditi. It's not about, you know, establishing oneself as a, as a senior member of the Sangha, a, as a personality. <clears throat> And if it is, you know, we're, we're misusing it. We're taking something that's a skillful tool and using it for something else to reinforce our ignorance. And so the tool itself depends on how you use it. You know, it's, it's up to you. So, so like the Bapacha tomorrow, this is like the Sangha Both the, the Bhikkhu Sangha and Silandara Sangha have agreed to give this ceremony. And this is, uh, this is like um, an encouragement. It's giving you the right to use the structures of this tradition in this monastery. It's, uh, the Sangha is, is behind you, is agreed, is united to give you this right. Now, you know, people say, well, I can just do it on my own. I don't need, you know, why can't the Thiladars just ordain the nuns? Why do the bhikkhus have to? Well, you know, there's no, it's not a criminal act because they want to ordain nuns all on their own. But then, it doesn't have the, the, you know, the, it's no longer part of the tradition. Is they're starting something all on their own that separates it. <clears throat> so this, the bhikkhu tradition is what sustained this, the Theravada tradition over 2,500 years. So it has, you know, it has a lot of power behind it because it isn't just one person, modern person, new age idealism, but it's, it, that's the power of it, of this particular tradition, because it has this uh, kind of retracing it back to the Lord Buddha and surviving through 2,553 years to the present day. And then the Sangha is now here at Amravati because of like the Miriam and Soledadavastu for the Papacha, not for personal positioning or for becoming, but 
having this, uh, some, having, using a convention in which they feel empowered. They're, they're not just operating on their own terms and according to their own particular feelings. There's something stronger behind that, a direction. that has, you know, that is conventional, but it's pointing. What is it pointing at? What is the uh, Siladhara Bapacha ordination? What is that pointing at? At liberation, not at personal identities or women's rights or, or uh, parity, uh, equality in terms of modern idealism. It's for liberation alone liberation from mortality, <clears throat> from the born, the created, the form. There is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unoriginated. And therefore there is an escape. Now what is the born, the originated, the created, the formed? That's Sakyaditi. Silabhattabharamasa Vichikita. In terms of you know, uh, individual conditioning. The born, this body here, sitting on this tamat, is born. It's a creation, it's formed. And there's an escape from it. What does that mean, here and now, in terms of escape from this physical body? It was born does it mean that it just dissolves in the thin air the minute I'm mindful? It just kind of evaporates. I've never seen that happen. But it means that this illusion that I am this, this is me, this is mine, that illusion evaporates. It ceases. It's not ultimate reality. It's not the unborn, uncreated. So this is uh, just seeing how, how in your own mind you can observe this, discerning with mindfulness. You can discern the end of self, of Sakyaditi. So the self is, you know, me and I'm senior monk and I'm teacher and meditation master and all that. Then there's the seeing of that, knowing of that, putting it in its context of conventional reality, fair enough. It's all right in itself. It's not a, we're not trying to annihilate the world, but know the world and no longer suffer from being blindly, ignorantly attached to it. So if anything I've been saying here upsets you, you know, it's important that you, you, you know, am I the cause of your suffering or what, where is the attachment? Take an interest in why you feel upset or are hurt or offended by anything I'm saying. You know, so that it's not meant to uh, harm or put anyone in their place or, or make, you know, try to cause uh, problems to you. It's to, to uh, 
help you to see clearly. It's a pointing and, and a, a willingness on my side to, to make it clear how to use this convention for liberation, not for personal identity. But we do have to really look and understand where, where I get offended, what, what upsets me, where my Achilles heel is, where, you know, when the arrow strikes, where I, I suffer mortality. <clears throat> you know, the weak point. And that's where, you know, to really look at, at your sense of being offended or upset or misunderstood or whatever, is, is your Achilles heel. It's the weak point that will cause your death. So, you know, really see uh, opportunities in this, in this uh, convention to see it as challenges, willingness to look at, at your own sense of, of uh, suffering wanting it to be another way, not wanting it to be this way, is like this. And uh, this is, uh, of course, within this fathom-long body, with its six senses, its sensitivity, its mortal forms, its changing conditions, its karma, is liberation. Not through making it perfect or annihilating it, but through transcending it, through wisdom, discerning. And so, so this uh, sati, sampachanya, bhutang sarnangachami, dhammang sarnangachami, sankhang sarnangachami is, is, uh, is, is where we are one. Where the, can, the differences of size and shape and form and seniority, juniority, position is no longer seen in terms of personal qualities or personal attitudes or ideas. So I'd like to to offer this as a you know for for reflection to to use it to observe suffering its causes cessation and the way of non-suffering so like the way of non-suffering is mindfulness you can see non-suffering through recognizing suffering and the causes of suffering. And through that discernment is non-suffering. Are you aware when there's no suffering? Or are you only aware of suffering? <clears throat> you know, so really con consider, you know, like yesterday after the meal, they're asking questions. 
like Lopa Dosa Moha. Uh, suggesting, observing when there's no dosa, anger. So I was asking them, you know, right now you're sitting here in the reception room, do you, is there any anger in your consciousness? Do any of you, you know, do you feel anger? And so they started observing no anger. A dosa is like this. Now on a Sakyaditi level, we can feel I'm an angry person and I get angry easily and anger is one of my problems. That's a Sakyaditi. But in the present moment now, is there anger? And then when I do this, you know, I look this sound of silence, body, breath, In the sound of silence, it gives me perspective on the, on the state of mind, the mood. Adosa, no anger, no greed, no delusion. So this is like discerning. Now when something happens, somebody says something where anger arises, then there's the knowing anger has arisen. And then, the, but then, you know, the, if, you're, if you're cultivating mindfulness as the path, then you know better than to grasp it. Still, things, you know, can, anger can arise, but there's a, our refuge is in awareness, not in, in uh, trying to control so that everything so that we, we, uh, we don't experience anger. But when, you know, our karma, when it ripens, certain conditions will make us angry. Maybe they won't make you angry, but they might make me angry. You know, as a person, as an individual, as a personality. But the awareness, it includes both the arising and the cessation of dosa, of anger. And the knowing is its presence and its absence. Now in recognizing, affirming consciousness as no anger, no greed, no delusion, you're discerning it. Consciousness that has no anger in it right now is like this. Anger will always create a sense of self. You know, being offended, being hurt, being upset, being insulted, and then the how dare you, you know, kind of asserting yourself, your, your feelings, and, and the self arises. But in that momentum of anger, when angry karma conditions for it are present, through this powerful attention and discerning, then anger we can still experience it, but we're seeing it in terms of impermanent condition arising and its cessation. And in its cessation is peace. Peacefulness is adosa, alopa, amoha, is dhamma.
So I encourage you. This is my last winter's retreat. Then I'm going to retire. And it's up to you what you do with this. It's all yours. <laughs> I'm no longer taking any responsibility for it.